Human Vortex Training and Menachem Brody present the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, physiology, psychology, tech, and much more to help you get fitter, faster, and stronger in and out of your sport, giving you expert insights, talking with other leading experts. And now, your host, world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Welcome back to episode seven, part two of the Tony Gentle Core interview. Now, if this is your first episode you're listening to here on the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast, go ahead and like and subscribe as well as listen to the part one of Tony Gentle Core and I uh, just having a good conversation. And as Tony mentioned in the last part and also in this part, uh, when he and I get together, we tend to just uh, talk for hours. We really bounce ideas back and forth and uh, learn a lot from each other and and just share perspective and thoughts. And uh, in our next part, as I'm sure you are wondering why it's called Go the F to Sleep, why recovery is easier than you think. Uh, yes, it was in part inspired by Samuel L. Jackson reading Go the F to Sleep, but also it's just something that Tony said in the middle and uh, we both kind of agreed on. We After we finished recording, we were talking about it like, yeah, just sleep, like turn off the automatic continuation on Netflix or Amazon Prime and just go to sleep. Better yet, don't even bring that into the, you know, bring your laptop into the bedroom. Like, don't watch TV at all uh, before you go to sleep. But that's another conversation which we will hopefully have him back for here in the near future. But for today, I'd like for you to listen in. We're going to cover recovery, why it's a lot easier than you think it is, and why it's so important. We're going to talk about deadlifting for endurance athletes. And we're also going to talk about why strength training is very different and why most endurance athletes struggle with this different mentality. So without much further ado, we're going to get into part two with Tony Gentlecore, author on T-Nation, men's health, women's health, bicycling, as well as great blog author at TonyGentlecore.com. So let's take a listen in and don't forget to like and subscribe. Let's, let's kind of use that. You mentioned, um, you know, it's, it's not a problem until there's an injury for most people and that's when they get it. Let's think about a couple yellow flags that the listener should be aware of uh, and keep an eye out. Like, what are some things uh, that thinking about cyclists and triathletes would be uh, applicable and easy for them to track at home? Where as long as they're keeping a training log, they could be like, oh, I do well, see that this is happening. Well, I think just a general um, uh, motivation to train or like, because uh, I think when that starts to wane, like that, that's something to, to, to keep in consideration. Um, like, why is that happening? Is it because, I mean, this is probably more prevalent in the, in the, in your, your neck of the woods, as far as the idea of overtraining. Um, that's probably a little bit more of a thing in your neck of the woods than it is mine. Cause I, I, I you want to talk about rolling my eyes. Like when I, in the strength conditioning realm, uh, especially when I'm just training with, when I'm working with regular people and they come in, Oh, I think I'm overtrained. I just want to be like, <laughs> You were not training remotely enough or hard enough to be overtrained. Like you just yeah. need to go to fuck the bed. Like, <laughs> like, like no Netflix tonight. <laughs> yeah. Like don't give me this. Don't give me this bullshit that you think you're overtrained. Like, come on. Um, however, I do think in, in your neck of the woods, it's probably much more of a thing. So I, so I do think, it, and this is something. Um, two guys that I that I that I respect a lot: Dr. Quinn Hennock of Juggernaut uh, and Dan Pope. Uh, who is a coach at Champion Performance and Physical Therapy here in Boston with Mike Reinhold. 
um, they both talk about kind of like um, training volume and how that needs to be better monitored as far as injuries, as far as like uh, um, motivation to train. Because I think more often than not, we can talk about corrective exercise and, you know, releasing this and activating that and breathing this. However, at the end of the day, if you're just doing too much volume of a certain movement or certain load, um, you're going to get hurt <laughs> of what, than what you can handle, I should say. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of times that why I try to instill a lot of coaches is, you know, if you, if you have a, a client or athlete who's, who's getting hurt a lot or their motivation to train is lower than it normally is, look at, audit your program. Like, look at how much, like, what are your jumps in training? Like, what are your progressions? They might be too aggressive for that individual where you're taking too big of jumps each week of, of work. Yeah. Um, I do. I mean, a lot of times I think people just need to stay put longer. Like they, they hit a certain, they hit a certain threshold of load. Mm -hmm. um, it could be on their main movement. It could be on the accessory movements, whatever. Um, I think they need to stay there longer than to get in this mindset. Like, okay, next week I got to do more work next week. I got to do more work. Yes. I think this is not me saying you shouldn't do more work. I think that's absurd. Like, yes, you need to do more work over a longer period of time. However, I do think people need to kind of stay put for more than a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. To kind of earn the right to lift, to, to, to increase load on the bar. Yeah. Um, Cause you see it all the time where people will do say a bench press, for example, and they do a certain amount of weight for X amount of reps. So we'll say they do 155 pounds for eight reps or five reps or whatever, but then they go to 160 and it's like, they can barely do two. It's mm -hmm. like, it's only five pounds. I was like, well, you didn't do 155 enough to earn the right to go to 160. You need to do more reps at 155. And that's, you know, is that, does that make sense? 100%. And that's a, such a, a great point for everybody. Like, and people don't get it. They'll often, they, they come in and I'll be honest, like I keep my, 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 right now, my intern's working on making a spreadsheet for me in Google Docs so I can actually show them. But I usually start the month with here's the program, here's our starting weights. And then each week we're either adding reps for the same weight depending on what they do or time under tension, or we're going to yeah. go up in weight. So we'll do yeah. tempo squats at the same weight, but a lot of people miss. And I tried in both of my courses to get this across to people. And, and Dr. McGill will talk about it next week uh, or in two weeks. And that is the tissues. It's not just the muscles firing. You have connective tissue, you have the tendons, you have the ligaments, then you have the intra and intermuscular coordination that needs to come together. Just because you can do a weight decently, doesn't mean that your organism as a whole and breathing also is not going to give you the ability or as you put it the right to be able to immediately go up Training's not linear like the only thing that's linear is you'll have one to three weeks where at the end of a month a month and a half if you do it properly and you're recovering you should be moving more total load for that major movement push pull squat hinge press rotary stability and rotary stability is a big that's a whole nother rabbit hole i'll have you back for but this is where the breathing comes in is that the people, the cyclists that I see that are chronically injured are the ones that are pushing too hard in the weight room or too hard on the bike. They don't understand that working on their breathing patterns. Cause if we stay in this uh, fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous systems on that 
raises our blood pressure, it increases our core temperature for longer periods of time, it changes our hormonal status in the body. We never get into that rest and digest and repair. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about as well. It's not just you know, going up and load every week, but it's also the recovery in between. So what yeah. would be some things that you would suggest to help them you know, finish your session? You don't have to go up and wait. Maybe you can add a rep or two or more time under tension by adding a pause yep. at the bottom. Like what would be yep. something you'd recommend? Um, that. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, been, I've been paying attention. That, to <laughs> um, yeah, I think people need to just be more cognizant of um, how they feel. Uh, I think, and, and also understanding too that recovery, like the time in between workouts is just as important as the actual workout. I know it sounds very, it sounds very zenny and like, what the hell, like, are you talking about? But, you know, certainly, like, I'm a big fan of sleep. Um, my wife and I, I mean, granted, we have a toddler, and we were, uh, the last few years, we've been kicked in the nuts as far as our sleep quality because we have a, a toddler. Um, but we go to bed early. Like, it will be like, he, we've sleep trained him, like, to the point where he is down pat. Like, he's, he's asleep by 6.30. He sleeps all night. Um, but... By the time eight o'clock rolls around, eight thirty, we're both kind of thinking like, oh, let's let's start getting ready for bed. Like, uh, I'm a, I, I do think, because I'm not a supplement person. I, I don't, I, I could really care. I mean, I'm very minimalist when it comes to supplements. Like, I, I think protein powder is cool. I think fish oil is cool. Uh, I think vitamin D is cool. Um, I think creatine is cool. Um, and that's really it. Like, I, I, I you might you might be able to commiserate with me on this where totally you know where people are like oh what do you think about this what do you think about that and i was like go the fuck to sleep yes like how much pre-workout should i take like i mean i None. remember working with i had a couple i mean uh, i had a couple college baseball guys back in the day when i was at csp who were always talking about like oh i need i need to get my t levels up and i need to like improve this and improve that and they would be staying up till two three in the morning like yeah. playing video games i'm like dude like go to bed. Like yeah. I don't, I, that grinds my gears so much. <laughs> like, and I, and I, and I understand it's very lame to say, like, it's very unsexy. It's not, uh, that's what it is. It's simple. As far as like, I mean, me, like sometimes I feel like I sound like a broken record. Like, Oh, just tell your clients, go to sleep, just go to sleep, go to sleep. I mean, certainly there's a discussion to be had about sleep hygiene uh, and like what, what they're doing in the hours before they go to bed and like, you know, what they can do to like improve their sleep. Um, but sleep is important. Uh, you know, eating adequate calories is important. Uh, drinking adequate, adequate water, which is I'm horrible at, like I talk about drink, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably chronically dehydrated myself. Um, and I'm a fitness professional. Um, but drinking water is important. All those are going to affect how your workouts are. Like, I don't know what the research says. I think research says how many percentage of, of uh, if you're X percent dehydrated, how much, it, what percentage affects your workout? Like, yeah. I've, I know a few people, I know a few people, like, if you, oh, if you're, I don't know the numbers, but it's, it's pretty profound. There's yeah. definitely a direct correlation with if you're, if you're dehydrated X amount, like, your performance in the weight room is going to be compromised. Um, so there's that like i mean those are all things that i think if you're if you're serious about your performance on the bike and, and on on the on the the course and in the water um 
you know, those, those have to be part of the equation. As far as like training related stuff, I do think it's, it's just a matter of like writing shit down, tracking it. I mean, I think it's Mike Tertiary. He's a, he's a power lifter. He says, what, what gets, what gets tracked gets managed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's kind of the one that's kind of champion that phrase. And it makes a lot of sense. Like you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of accountability uh, as far as like tracking your shit and, and, and making, and like being, being more, um, what's what I'm looking for, being more, um, um, forward thinking or being more, um, that's the word I'm looking for. Conscientious? Um, I guess conscientious of just all the, all the factors of your training as far as tracking your load, your weight. Um, that's not the word I'm looking for, but that's, that's sufficient. But, um, uh, does that make sense? First of all, am I Okay. Yeah. So, and again, I know it's not like a very sciencey answer and a very like profound answer, but that, that, that'll be my answer as far as like yellow flags. Um, And then not to mention injury. I mean, if we are talking about injury, for example, like say, um, and then Dan Pope is great at talking about this. I actually wrote about this a couple of weeks ago on my, on my blog post about like, you kind of have to tinker with that pain threshold. Um, because I think what, what, what he writes about or has, has discussed about is like people, he calls it the, the blow through effects. Like people tend to like plow through injury where on Monday they go in and train. So if we're talking shoulders, for example, you know, uh, overhead pressing hurts a lot, uh, uh, snatches hurt a lot. And like on, day, on, on Monday, gonna, someone goes in and they do those exercises and they get after it and then their shoulder hurts. So then they have to take a day or two off. And then they go in a couple of days later and they go in a bench press heavy. Oh, my shoulder hurts. And they take a couple of days off. And then they, so they're always plowing through that, that pain threshold. Whereas certainly we don't want to, we don't want to undercut that. We don't want to do, we, we have to produce a training effect. So, okay. Pushups don't hurt. Uh, rowing variations don't hurt. Um, maybe slow tempo, neutral grip, overhead presses don't hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to do. And then he says that the, the, the magic number is a, is a three. Uh, so if we, if, we, if we do the pain scale of one to 10, 10 being excruciating pain, zero being nothing, uh, we want it, we want, like during the workout, immediately after the workout and the day after a workout, you don't want to go above a three. No, as far as like dealing with injury, because in order to like manage an injury, you kind of have to, again, you have to tinker with that, with that threshold because you have to elicit a training effect and you have to, and you have to uh, perform exercises, of course, that don't hurt, but um, through the, I think the, I think the term he uses mechanotransduction where you kind of have to elicit just a little bit of uncomfortable, uncomfortableness. It's a hard mm-hmm. word to say. Um, <laughs> But as long as it doesn't, as long as you don't plow through that three and you kind of stay at that, at that level, the idea is like to, 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 to move that pain threshold line up. So that, so, so, so then you're, you're able to, yes, eventually be able to do, um, uh, snatches overhead and, and overhead press overhead with, with explosiveness. Um, so eventually those are pain free, you know what I mean? Um, so as far as like managing pain and working through pain, I do try to tell people like, cause some people get bummed They're like, Oh, you know, my, my shoulder hurt after the work during that work or during this uh, uh, day or the day after. And I have to be like, well, how much did it hurt? Yeah. Like, um, are we talking a 10? Like you couldn't move your arm or are we talking like 
you know, you know, it's just kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you have to have a good discussion with people. Yeah. But I tell them like it's okay for it to hurt a little bit. Right. Um, I don't want it to get worse than that. But but unfortunately, we kind of have to have this uh, conversation, or we have to have this uh, this scenario where um, there's going to be a little tiny, teeny bit of pain through the process. And the idea is to try to um, improve upon that over the time of several weeks, um, if that makes any sense. Hundred um, Because I think because you get the problem of people who like plow through their pain all the time and then you get those people who just get so gun shy that all they're doing is rotator cuff drills and corrective exercises and they're they're so far under that they're never going to improve they're never going to improve that threshold or make that threshold goal increase that threshold right uh, which is what we want to do um so there's that conversation as far as like shoulder pain and working through shoulder injury there's so much there. I just want to mention, uh, you did mention your blog post, TonyGentleCore.com. Uh, I love, I'm a huge fan of things to pretend you're reading while you're working. Or things yeah. to, uh, I can't remember. Stuff, that. To, stuff to read while you're pretending, pretending you're working. Pretending you're working, yeah. yeah. That and the pop-up Julian on uh, Instagram. So if anybody's yeah. looking for something fun. Um, there's a bunch to unpackage here. So I have a couple notes I just want to hit on. Um, sure. you, you mentioned about the decrease in performance with a drop in blood volume. Um, Dr. Stacy Sims, who we're hoping to have on the show at some point here in the future to talk about women, uh, she is uh, she put out there it's a two percent drop in blood plasma volume will lead to an eight to twelve percent decrease in power for cycling. And, that's, and you're talking about that in relation to hydration. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. and here's the thing where everybody screws up: the over-the-counter stuff that you get over-the-counter, the the, counter, the, uh, the Gatorade, the Powerade, uh, they have they have very complex carbohydrates. The ones you want are glucose and sucrose, and a three to four percent carbohydrate uh, to a uh, solution, concentrate solution. So when I worked for Pitt, and uh, I, I I always remembered it, we always watered down, and the athletic trainer students watered down the Gatorade. So it didn't taste as good. And I remember I went into yeah. him one day because I'm like, dude, this is my favorite flavor, but it's watered. He's like, it's watered because then it's going to work. If you follow the directions, it's too thick. You'll have upset yeah. stomach diarrhea. Like you have yeah, to yeah. Yeah. cut it in half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll also, we'll, we'll cover some more of that stuff, but uh, different types of sodium. So there's sodium chloride, sodium uh, bicarbonate, sodium um, Sodium bicarbonate, and there's other, another one. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I'm usually so much better with this. Uh, but you have to have the other type, not the table salt, sodium bicarbonate, and uh, the other one, sodium citrate, are the two that are actually going to be better absorbed. So those are two that you can add. Baking soda is sodium bicarbonate. Easy. Add a teaspoon uh, to your uh, regular sports drink that has sucrose or glucose. And this is where people are like, oh, sugar is bad. Like, no, there's a time and a place for everything. Um, so they actually act as co-transporters to help you bring the water into your system. So like when you take creatine, you have to drink water, right? And it also says creatine is best absorbed with carbohydrates. So there's all these people that are, you know, high carb, uh, high protein, low carb that are taking creatine and not seeing the benefits. But you would know much more about that than me. Um, we mentioned pain. Uh, pr- Coming back to breathing, poor breathing patterns increase ischemia and thus increase pain, lack of blood flow. So that's really important. Um, For cyclists and triathletes, HTFU, there's a meme or a thing going around on YouTube right now and Facebook about how cyclists are hard men, where they'll fall off the bike at 30 kilometers an hour into barbed wire and have everything ripped to shreds, bleeding, they still go. And then you see the soccer player like pretend to get tripped and he's like, oh, agonizing pain. So that can do us a disservice. Like it's too, we don't want to be hard men and women when it comes to the weight room. We want to be smart 
and train smarter, not harder, which is- Yeah, you want to train, you want to do the minimal effective dose, like uh, Alex Viata, who I'm yes. sure you know, yeah. uh, who, um, who, who wrote a fantastic book, Hybrid Athlete. I mean, this is, a, this is an individual who can deadlift 700 pounds and runs ultra marathons. No, he'll tell you, like, you have to be pretty lazy. As far as, like, that world, uh, you have to be pretty lazy in the weight room. As far as, like, um, you, you, don't wanna, you don't want the intensity of your, your training, whether it be, like, training for marathons, training on the bike, training whatever, to match the intensity at all times in the weight room. Like, they, they, you have to separate the two. Yeah. Um, and, he, and not that he's being lazy. I mean, the dude's strong. I mean, that's not what he's referring to, but you, you, you have to do the minute, like you have to do um, far less than you think to maintain. You, I mean, honestly, you get to a certain point, you know, of strength. It's easy to maintain strength. It really is. Once you get to a certain level, you just kind of have to like subtly remind the body to, okay, we got this. Um, I mean, the, it takes the consistent work to get there. Of course, this is where that goes back to the conversation we were talking about earlier about watching LeBron James and, so-and-so doing all these these silly drills or exercise or, or workout routines no one talks about the the 10 15 20 years that they did to get to there yeah um there we definitely have to be uh, respectful of that part but once you get to that level or intermediate level advanced level of training you know it doesn't it doesn't take much to to maintain uh certain strength levels you know That's whether even off-season, in-season, like in-season training, really the, the objective is to just try to maintain the off-season training as much as best you can. Right. Uh, so there's not a big drop-off. And to balance uh, the body. I mean, that's, yeah. it's hinging and rows and obliques, essentially, and shoulder yeah. half. That's it. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's it. Show done. That's it. <laughs> Wrap it up. I'm going to cut everything else out and just put that and how you were talking about. It'll like, be the shortest pod, the 17-second podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> intro and outro will be four times like, what the hell did I just listen to um, but the, the hybrid athlete is a great book Brad Schoenfeld actually just uh, yeah. published a study about how muscle uh, hypertrophy the muscles remember they go back and this is something you know Kim King used to tell me all the time mind in the muscle Brody mind in the muscle if I had a quarter for every time she said that in my six month internship I'd be very very rich and I think there's so many things that that endurance athletes it's a mentality to point like oh, i have to go hard but the the thing that keeps coming up over and over again as we're talking here is that five sixes and sevens 80 percent training like it should be it shouldn't be massive it doesn't mean the weights aren't hard but when you walk out you're like i could have done another a set of that yeah like, it's that consistency it's adding a little bit watering a little bit just a little bit at a time but yep. so many endurance athletes when they get to the season and i've seen this with a number of clients every single march i get emails uh, I'm cutting out my strength training and Eric had a great idea. Actually, he said to me, you need to have a nine month contract where they can't drop off because I, I am having this every March and April. I have cyclists and triathletes. Oh, I want to cut out the strength training. I don't have time. I'm like, dude, 35 minutes off the bike with a kettlebell at home and a TRX or bands. You're going to see far. You've already seen your FTP your functional threshold power go up 17% on average for the people that are doing strength training with me, which is ridiculous like i'm even like that can't be right man but it's what you talked about earlier when you create uh proximal stiffness i mean yep. you didn't put it, you didn't say it this way but when you create that control that stiffness you can express it further out yeah. and it's the first thing that goes like oh, i need more hours on the bike like dude you don't and i think that honestly that it goes in because i i mean living in boston there is obviously a very uh endurance centric 
community because of the marathon. So roughly around this time, I get people reaching out like, oh, I want to, or even earlier, but I remember last year I started working um, with a, a marathoner, a woman who had run like 50 marathons. So like, it's insane. Wow. Um, never done any strength training. So she was referred to me. Uh, and I find a common theme that I have with endurance athletes that I train um, in the weight room is it's really hard to get them to appreciate to slow the fuck down. Yes. Um, uh, like taking <laughs> your experience, like that felt easy. That felt easy. That felt easy. That felt easy. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, that, that, I mean, I have to respect that. Like, certainly like I, I, I want to make it challenging. Like, I'm not saying I'm not in increasing weight. That's not what I mean. But um, really getting that. Cause I feel like that's what I mean about matching intensities. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you get an endurance athlete who's like, go, 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 go. You get them in the weight room. And it's, it's much slower where, and I do like to pair exercises. So I'll pair a trap bar with, you know, it might be one of those corrective shoulder drills or a trap bar with a, with a pushing or whatever, but really getting them to appreciate uh, the rest periods yeah. and why we rest in between sets and why that's a thing. So it's, so you're, you're not fatiguing to, that's going to affect your subsequent sets. And like, no, here, like rest is good. <laughs> um, you know, we don't need to be like constantly like on the go. Like I, I often joke that like endurance athletes are like sharks. They have, they kind of have to be moving at all times. And like, but that's um, the thing is I like to call it the scourge of the endurance athlete. Cause they yeah. always like, dude, when you need to go easy, like granny should pass with the frayed thing in the basket with her little uh, Yorkshire terrier should go right past you. Like easy means easy, relax. Yeah. And the athletes that always see the best short-term and long-term results are those that get it. They're like, okay, when it's time. And then in a race, it doesn't mean that you're off the back, but like slow the fuck down, like take your yeah. time. So how yeah. do you, how do you teach that? How do you get that across to them? Is it? I, it's just repetition. Honestly, it's just repetition. And I do think at some point when, you know, they'll inevitably go back to their, to, to their running and like, they'll see that their times are improving and that they're, they're not hurt as much. And then hopefully that's like, they, that they'll understand that the, the, the common theme here, the common tread is strength training helps. I mean, it's going to improve your running economy, cycling economy, you know, force production, et cetera. Um, but uh, also like, it's, 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 it's understanding that the, the intensities don't always have to match. Like you don't have to be full throttle at all times. Um, uh, so it's just repetition. Like, honestly, like, and that's why I'm a big fan of fillers, to be honest. Like when I just, that, 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 uh, and I'll explain that in a second. But um, so when I write a program, if I, if I'm pairing a, a trap bar deadlift, um, usually, I mean, I, I'll pair, usually I don't, I don't like to pair big exercises with other exercises, but no, I'll say, okay, you're going to do a set of trap bar deadlifts or a set of squats, and we're going to rest 90 seconds. And 90 seconds for an endurance athlete of doing nothing is, <laughs> is like a walk to Mordor. It's like years and years and years and years and years. Uh, so I'll add in the filler, and that, that's where I add in the, the shoulder correctives or whatever correctives. So they're doing something that's corrective while they're resting, mm -hmm. but it's not going to affect their subsequent set. So they're getting the rest interval in, but they're doing something that isn't going to be like high threshold, high level of, of, of uh, effort. Um, and then they're going to go right into their next set. Uh, so that, that's one way I trick them into slowing down. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's just repetition getting, I mean, it's conversation. I mean, that, that's like, here's where I'm coming from. This is why we're doing what we're doing. 
uh, here's why I think it's going to help you. Um, and hopefully they, they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And hopefully they do it. <laughs> you know, when they're on their own, I have no idea. I was just going to ask you, cause you write, uh, you have uh, distance athletes as well. Like I do, and you're using a, uh, a platform to deliver. Like how do you ask them to report? Like what rest periods do you, can you program that in? Like, do you tell yeah. them like 90 seconds and then go again? Yeah. Kind of thing? Yeah, I do. Whether or not they follow it. I mean, I have no idea, but right. yeah, I read it in. Yeah, and that's, I think that's so important. Uh, like exactly what you said for endurance athletes to understand, like it's all energy. There's four major pillars for athletic progression, hormonal, um, hormonal, uh, neuromuscular, cardiorespiratory and metabolic. And when we take those rest periods, it's all of them. We're getting all, you know, the cardiorespiratory comes down. You're able to get better breath coming back to that again. Uh, you're able to have the hormones kind of peak and fades. So you're, you're putting pressure there. Uh, you're also getting the, the energy pathways to produce the energy you need to move the bar or to move yourself. Um, and then you also have, of course, the neuromuscular component of it. And that's where strength training, I think, uh, can have a great impact, just like you're talking about doing the opposite of what you're doing out on the road. Like don't do VO2 max rides and then come in and want to do, uh, you know, six by three Ollie, you know, ha hang power cleans. Cause that's just yeah. not, you're, you're just uh, drilling yourself in the ground for no. Yeah. No so that that's, and that often is a hard sell, but you know, usually what I just, you know, I, I'm the boss when they're, when they're, when they're in my studio and like, here's what we're doing. Um, you know, hopefully over the course of several months, they kind of get it and they understand it and they'll, they'll, they'll reap the rewards of what I'm telling them. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seems counterintuitive to them, but at some point they get it. Is there anything, is there anything you found that really helps I mean, or is it really individual and, and depends? Like, is there a specific... it's, it's individual and depends. I will say most of the time when, when, when individuals come to me, they're, they're kind of already sold on it. Like they... Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen. Like he seems to know what he's talking about. He's been around for a while. Like he obviously get results. Like I'm gonna listen to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly the, it, it is just repetition on my end. Like I I don't have a a Gandalf level quote here, uh, or like our level of wisdom to say yes, this is what you have to do. Um, but uh, I just I, I just hope they they just they they follow the program and that will speak for itself. <laughs> Random off-topic question: Is the Gandalf sticker on the Mac was that yours or is that Dean's in the complete? Oh, that was mine. That was mine. Is it, it going to make an appearance although I, in the second? Although level? I changed, I changed uh, computers, so now it's an entire map of Middle Earth. Oh, that's on, awesome! On my on my laptop, it's like the evolution of Tony. So the second yeah. complete hip and shoulder will have the next one. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, I had to get a new laptop. I had to retire that one, unfortunately. But that was me. No, you're doing a lot of uh, stuff, man. And Instagram right now, uh, I, I think when this is published, you'll be right in the middle, right at the end of the uh, 30 days of shoulders. And I want to yeah. kind of pivot at this point because that's a great resource for everybody. So number one, follow him because he's just, as you can see, a wealth of knowledge and just fun to talk to. Uh, and it definitely comes across in your Instagram posts, uh, by the way. Um, but let's pivot to deadlifts. And you had 30 day to, uh, days of deadlift, I think, last summer, August, September. Uh, no, it was more, yeah, I think it was more in the fall. Yeah. Yep. yeah so let, let's talk about deadlifting and the importance for, for cyclists and triathletes. So I have, yep. I have a tough question for you. Do you have everyone who comes into your studio deadlift off the floor? Why or why not? Nope. No, I do not. Okay. Uh, why not? Why not? Because they're not all competitive powerlifters. And that, that, that I just think that's a... Um, 
a narrow, a narrow minded way of thinking of the deadlift. I think people get set in their ways where if it's not on the floor, it's cheating. And, um, and I'm like, well, are you competing anytime soon in a powerlifting meet? No, then who cares? <laughs> um, my job, my job as the coach is to, I think there's a lot of value in deadlifting. I think there are many ways we can do the deadlift. Um, and my job is to figure out what's going to be the best fit for you, given your ability level, given your health history, uh, and giving your and given your leverages, like what your body type is, like what long torso, short femur, like whatever. Um, so that my job is to try to figure out, um, and then not to mention, like in that position, can you control your spine? You know, maintain a neutral spine while doing uh, a loaded deadlift or while doing a loaded hip hinge. Um, so no, I do not have everyone uh, that I train with deadlift from the floor. Some people are doing it off blocks. Uh, some people are doing trap bars, some people are doing straight bar, like some people do sumo stance, some people do, I allow them to do conventional. Um, some people do kettlebell deadlifts, some people do landmine deadlifts. Um, it's some form of deadlifting, um, but not always off from the floor. Uh, um, yeah, never. I was no, I wouldn't, no, I should say never. Like there are, I do have people deadlift from the floor, just not, they have to earn it. That's, that's kind of what I was after is I want people to understand because everybody's like, oh, I'm, I need a deadlift. I'm a cyclist. I need to hinge. I'm like, dude, you can't even get your hands to your knees without rounding your back. Like, yeah. let's talk so, about I mean, the process. In that, in that sense, in that sense, uh, I, I want to train the hip hinge, not necessarily the deadlift. And I often say like the deadlift is a hip hinge, the hip hinge is the deadlift. Mm -hmm. And that is true. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're talking about is uh, man, like, reducing uh lumbar extension you know getting getting into the hips a little bit more with minimal knee flexion um that's that's essentially what the deadlift is it's sitting back into the hips while while with there's a little bit of knee flexion but it's not it's not a squat mm -hmm. i hate it when people say oh deadlift is just a loaded squat like mm, <laughs> not, but, not really but there is a place for the squatty hinge sure absolutely yep and that's kind of where the trap bar comes in you know, that's, that's a little bit more of a, of a squatty hinge, but, I, but I honestly, like everyone starts with a, with a, with a loaded, loaded trap bar, um, or well with a, with a trap bar variation, my initial, uh, um, progression or, or introduction to the deadlift is typically the trap bar because I just feel like it's a more, uh, back friendly way, um, user friendly way of introducing a, a loaded hinge to people. Um, just cause now the, their center of mass is inside the bar, they're able to keep a more upright torso. There's less shearing of the spine. Um, and it is kind of like an elevated, I know you have certain trap bars that you can flip right. a little bit lower, but use the elevated handle. Um, you know, but then there's some people, if they're stark beginners, uh, I'll start them off with it, with the kettlebell. Um, sometimes it might be elevated, sometimes not. Cause then they could get right above the kettlebell, um, you know, and it's, it, it isn't super heavy. Um, you know, just to, I'm more interested in grooving the actual hinge. Like again, maintaining that neutral spine while moving through the hips and keeping a, a, a good torso position. Um, then I am about loading it super heavy out, out of the gate. Um, so in that context, and if I have an individual triathlete, um, computer guy who can only get to a certain point before they start losing that back position, then I just, elevate the bar <laughs> yeah. um, or, or honestly do a pull through or do a landmine deadlift. And I maybe just do an RDL 
um, mm -hmm. Romanian deadlift, where they start from the top and work, work, work down. Um, that's honestly a, a very underappreciated way of introducing the deadlift, where you start people from the top and work down rather than from the top, from the bottom up. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's so much more I, challenging. Well, it, it's, it's, just, it's just meeting people where they are. Like if, if, if it, a lot of people don't have the mobility uh, to, to get all the way down to the floor to do, to get into a deadlift position. So, um, you know, just bring it up. Like there's no, there's no golden rule saying you can't do that. They're going to reap the benefit of it. Like they're going to, are they not training their posterior chain? So they're not training the, the grip with the rotator cuff. Are they not? I mean, yes, like everything, everything's still going to be in play. And then, yeah, maybe over the course of the several weeks, we'll, we'll get a little bit lower to the ground. Um, but my expectation isn't that everyone has to, to, to have a barbell on the floor. If they get there, cool. If not, not a big deal. And, and we'll hear from Dr. McGill next week about how most cycling back injuries that he's seen, uh, or uh, I can't say it that way, but the, a, number, a, a number of the back cyclists, uh, a number of the injuries he's seen of the back in cyclists happen in the weight room and are perpetuated because they're in that riding position. So they're essentially yeah. moving too much weight. The tissues aren't ready. The spine, like we're going, and, and we know that cyclists have very low bone density if they don't strength train consistently. You know, the whole thing where you have the, it's, and how the bone is grown essentially, uh, you need that strain. But it's also that, that tissue uh, that needs to adapt, and that takes so much time. And that's what yeah. you were talking about earlier, about having uh, a number of, of uh, you know, you have to earn that right to be able to move that weight. And it happens slower than people would like. That tissue, the white tissue, the connective tissue takes longer, and the bone takes far longer to adapt to that. Yeah. Um yeah, and that, that's, a, that's a perfect scenario where it's like just people have to like stay with the same load over the course of several weeks to, to, to earn the right to, to, to go up. Um, there's no better way to say it other than what you, how you just said it. Honestly. I'm, just, I'm just repeating what you said, man. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's it. I like that. I'll credit myself. I'm, I'm, ta I'm taking that, man. Uh, earning the right to move the weight. Well, uh, we've actually talked for quite some time. I believe this is going to wind up being the end of part two at this point. Uh, that's what happens. Some, I mean, you and I started talking. You called it. We started talking. Yeah, it just goes. <laughs> and honestly, unless my wife said that uh, we have to go to her parents for dinner. So unless she came in and said something, <laughs> we'd still go. Um, there's so much that, that we can pull out from here. And I think the, the listeners at home, I have four and a half pages of notes here and you guys at home should have more. Um, what would be two or three, what would be two or three big things out of everything we talked about that you can recall for the listeners to really remember and, and will have a big impact for them? I think as it relates to your audience, mm -hmm. is like you need to train the position that you're not in, like, you know, as far as like the bike. Uh, you're in this flex position a lot. So your training should be the opposite of that. I think that would be the big take home point. Um, and yeah, like, you know, you, 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 even though you're not, your sport doesn't involve a lot of overhead activities, we still need access to, to that, to that motion as far as like shoulder health. Uh, and number two, I think it's just like intensity of exercise. Um, you know, you don't need to kill yourself in the gym. I think that's what intimidates a lot of endurance athletes is they think like, Oh man, I'm going to have to like lift a lot of heavy stuff in the gym and like really like kill myself. And so there's, there's two realms. Number one, they get intimidated by that and or, or two that they, they're, they are that type A individual feels like that's, that's, that's what they have to do. Um, and I would, I would argue that no, it's more, 
uh, of that 80% effect. Like 80% of the time, you're just going to go in and do the work and, and leave um, and be consistent with that. Uh, and I think good things are going to happen. And those are incredibly wise words and, and you guys should really take this home. Uh, we'll have to have you back because we kind of avoided, I, I, I skirted the triathletes. I know I picked on them today, but we do need to talk about like the overhead motion for triathletes because most of them are general population. They, yeah, yeah. they don't think of themselves that way. They're like, oh, I'm a triathlete. I suffered from that as well. I was like, oh, I'm training for a triathlon. And then you're just riddled with injuries because you do everything just average or below. Um, but as it pertains for cyclists, is there anything, like if you were to think about two or three movements or two or three things that they should be focused on in the gym, what would those be? Uh, I think it would be uh, deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they should do deadlifts. Um, and also just thinking about improving uh, T-spine extension, of course. I think if they're, if they're in that flex position, um, access, like getting in a more, in a more extended position is going to give them access to more, more shoulder flexion and their, and their shoulders are just going to be healthier, um, just because they, they have access to that motion. So, um, that would be my recommendation. Awesome. Well, we have online, uh, you have the complete shoulder and hip blueprint uh, here in 2019, which you're recording shortly, which will be the second one. The first iteration is amazing. Uh, you're also going worldwide for that, as well as a number of other uh, specialty, I guess you could call it, or coaches-oriented workshops. Yeah. Uh, where can folks find you online and, and in person here? Well, my website is the is home base so tonyjunkcore.com uh yeah there's gonna i'm i'm gonna be my travel schedule is pretty thick this year um as far as stuff i do my on my own but then stuff i do with dean somerset with the control of hip blueprint so we'll be in philadelphia edmonton uh sydney and melbourne uh this year um, and next year we're looking to be great we're gonna do greece in the uk again um so that's kind of cool but we are but yeah we plan on recording it this year um, and making that uh, a digital product at some point later in the year. Um, the first, the first one did really well. People tended to enjoy it, so I, I have no reason to think the second one won't be as good. <laughs> um, I hope it is. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, it's um, yeah. But the website is home based. That's like social media uh, articles, blogs, stuff like that. So I would encourage people to to visit that. Yeah. And your writing is fantastic. I mean, and we, we've well, had some back and forth about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and very, very, uh, uh, not curt, but very precise, uh, I would say. Um, and lastly, the complete trainer's toolbox, which just oh, came yeah. out. Oh yeah. See, that's what I mean. You have to remind me of my own stuff. <laughs> uh, that, that was a collaborative, uh, uh, product. So that, that's geared more towards coaches and trainers where you have, uh, nine fitness professionals, uh, it was like me, Dean Somerset, Megan Calloway, my wife, and there, there are others. I, I don't, I'm, this isn't to say the other ones don't matter. I just don't want to list all nine. Um, but uh, um, we're all coaches, we're all trainers, and we all, we've all had problems and issues come up in our careers as far as like assessment, program design, how do I get more clients? How do I, how do I be a better writer? How do I address overhead mobility? Um, and we all just kind of like talk shop with that. And so, um, it's, it's, it's a video and webinar format, um, but you get 17 hours of content from people who know what they're talking about. So, um, and you get continuing education credits. So, um, I think it's a good product and I, I hope we do more in the future. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's one that just came out. That came out early, early, like, I don't know, like February. I think we released it in February. So, um, yeah, that's something to look out for too.
Yeah, lots of great stuff. And, and uh, handles on uh, Instagram and Facebook, uh, Tony Gentlecore, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, the only one that isn't I, on Twitter, there's another Tony Gentlecore that took it. So there's a Tony Gentlecore one. <laughs> but all, but all, the other, all the other ones are my name. Yeah, right. there, aren't, there aren't many of us, but because I'm a very unique name, but there, there's a handful. One of them took it on Twitter. Um, but uh, um, yeah, just my name. You'll be able to find me. Cool. Awesome. Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. We'll be back soon. Yes, very soon. That's it for this episode of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HV Training. Until next time, remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.